This is a Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu slash library. Assalamu alaikum. Hello, everyone. I'd like to thank you all for coming to today's event. Um, my name is Hanin Sedim. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Vice President of the MSA. Today is just one of few events that MSA has held. So today I bring to you a panel of speakers that will discuss why Muslim women wear the hijab, and hopefully they will help you understand the significance of why we wear the hijab, the scarf, and its role in modesty. The three main points that they will cover is why we wear the scarf, the beauty of it, and the misconceptions. The first speaker I will introduce is a person I know individually. She is a graduate from Robert Morris College who has a bachelor's degree in computer science. She has been working with the community for nine years, including the Mosque Foundation and the Community Center. Please welcome Lena Thalib. Thank you. Um, Salaamu Alaikum and hello. Um, I'm talking about a subject that one is very important in uh, Islam, um, but also I'm going to start off with a personal story of mine and how I, how I wore it. I actually grew up in public school. I was born and raised here. Uh, and I was born in a cultural family. Uh, my mom obviously wore the scarf at a young age, culture-wise. Uh, she prayed, she did these things, but I didn't understand what hijab was. I thought, whenever you're ready, uh, you should wear it. Whenever you're ready, um, it's pretty much your choice as a female in Islam. Well. As most of you know, and if you don't know, there's five pillars in Islam. One is to believe in the oneness of God, and that Muhammad is his messenger and his servant, as Jesus is Ibrahim, Noah, Moses. The second one is Salah, which is prayer. It is obl- these are five obligations that you have to do. These are the pillars that hold your Islam up. And the prayer is between you being a believer and non-believer. That's your connection to Allah is through prayer. It's your communication to God, Allah. Third one goes on to fast, zakat, charity, and then the, the, the pilgrimage in uh, Mecca. But the sixth pillar for female in Islam is hijab. Growing up thinking that it was a choice, uh, as I grew up, it really wasn't. I mean, it, it, it's something that is obligatory for any Muslim woman. It is a must. It is not something that she can choose to do or not to do. Once she becomes of the age of uh, puberty, she should, be, she should be wearing the scarf. But obviously this is through the correct teaching as she's growing up, as, she's, uh, as her family is, is practicing it, as her family is teaching it, as she's given comfortable with it, even from a young age, it is something as prayer is on a Muslim, hijab is on a Muslim woman. Now it's not to, hijab is not to, to hide the female. It is actually to promote modesty and humbleness and it is to protect her. To protect her from the things that we obviously in today's society, in the American main, mainstream society, or actually anywhere around the world, it is so, everything is sold through sex. Everything is sold through the female body. Everything that is beautiful, that is art. Yes, it is art. It's the creation of God. But to us, it's commanded on us to preserve that and to to wear it humbly. 
In the Quran it states to say guard their modesty and say to the believing women they should lower their gaze and guard their modesty and they should not display their beauty or adornments except, uh, except what must ordinarily appear thereof that they should draw their veils over their bosoms and not display their beauty except to their husbands, their fathers and in Islam basically the woman is covered outside but say for example in front of my brother, my mother, my father, my uncles, my grandparents I am fine, I can wear what you see anyone wearing uh, but in the public, in the public eye she is to be covered for modesty it is not that she wears it to sleep, it is not that she wears it at home and she must be wrapped in it all day. This is just when she is outside amongst people that are not relatives. Now, those are the prohibited men to see her without her veil, which is her father, her uncles, uh, her grandfather, her nephews, her brother, any of this. Even when she weds, her father-in-law is permitted to her, but her brother-in-law isn't. Like some cultures, uh, they, or overseas, they think the brother-in-law is okay to unveil yourself in front of, but it is, it is not uh, prohibited. You should not unveil yourself to him. It is said, O Prophet, tell thy wives and daughters and the believing women that they should cast their outer garments over their, per their persons, that they should be known and not molested. I want you to understand that it is just to promote modesty. That she is to be covered. Now talking about hijab in itself, it is not just a veil that will just cover her hair. Uh, it's, it's actually modesty of every part of her character. Uh, and by the way, modesty goes for the, for the male's character too. There are certain things that he cannot uh, show. Uh, it's called awrah. And she has this aura too amongst women as well, not only in front of men. Now, to, the modesty is to promote modest of the tongue, modest of the clothes, modest of the actions, and obviously covering her hair. Now, if a female is wearing a scarf, there is a description of the way the Prophet Muhammad said it. There are people that will be, there will be women that will be covered, but yet you can see that you can see them clearly meaning you can see their figure clearly um, and in today's society it's those that you know have the skinny jeans on they're they're pretty much stuck to your body these this is not part of hijab hijab is where your your outfit is not fitting your body or your form it is to cover the form of your body it is not just to cover the hair uh, it is to cover the figure of the body that will attract attention to her. There's also uh, different things that she should wear. There's different things. As long as the bosom is covered and the figure is not showing, where as if she is naked, she, you cannot see the figure of her body. Another thing is what, what she chooses to wear. Uh, sometimes the, the Prophet Muhammad once mentioned even the, the the clicking of the heels where it attracts attention when somebody's walking you hear the snapping of their shoes and then what happens is everybody turns and looks uh, this is something that will attract people's attention as well now the way I, I wore hijab was actually I was 
like I said, I was growing up in 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 Chicago. Actually, I grew up in Chicago. I came moved out to the suburbs, and I was introduced to the Mosque Foundation at second grade. And then as I grew up, I went to the community center and stuff like this. I heard a lecture given saying that we have to wear it and we should wear it, and this is something that we should do as Muslim, as believers. So when I went home and I told my mom, her first response was, you're too young, even though she wore it. And I kind of got mad that I wanted to do it so passionately, but then she kind of, I listened to everything my mom said. So when she told me, no, you're too young, wait till you get married, which was the typical response of most cultural parents, uh, it's not from faith. But they asked, she asked me to wait. I got mad. I cried. My sister was like, well, if you really feel passionate about it, you should just do it. I didn't right away. So then I went back. And I, me and my friend always used to debate. Then I, one day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to prepare with my clothes and I'm going to wear it. And I was in college at the time. I was my first year in Robert Morris. She was like, are you sure you're going to do it? I was like, yeah, of course I'm going to do it. And by the way, I come from a family of seven older sisters. None of them are wearing it. And it was only my mother, so it was actually a challenge. So it was a struggle. So then I went, and by the time I was in Robert Morris, there was not too many Muslims to be, well, I'm with a group of my friends or something like that. So, alhamdulillah, I wore it. <laughs> right when I finished class at 12 o'clock, my friend calls me, did you wear I was like, yeah, I did. She's like, how did it feel? How did the teachers react? How did the, the students react to you? I was like, it was normal. It didn't bother me. And nobody said anything to me, thank God. <laughs> but it was a challenge living in America to actually practice my faith the right way. Plus knowing, you know, that I was growing up with more culture versus religion, that was also another challenge that I had to overcome. So alhamdulillah, it was easy. I did it and God helped me with it. And I've been wearing it since. And so it's going to be almost 10 years now. <coughs> Uh, what I say to certain females that wear hijab, hijab is actually your, and people can tell you're Muslim right away. When you wear hijab, this is something that differentiates us from males. You can tell almost right away that this, this person, if they're, if they're people that know, that have knowledge and know the, the different faiths, they know that you're Muslim right away. So you're an example of Islam when you wear it. And when Islam tells you to wear it modestly, you try and wear it modestly. Now, obviously, it should be improving a modest character too because the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam said, in order to perfect a person, the most perfect person is a person that has great character and good faith. And he did say great character first and good faith. So you can't be amongst the people that are righteous in a, in, a, in a faith, in any faith, by the way, if your character is not holding that faith strong. Meaning, you should be amongst the honest, amongst the, the generous, amongst the nice, the loyal, uh, you know, listening to the people around you, uh, helping the people around you, being a good person. Now, when you have a veil over your head and you promote Islam, it doesn't make sense to be loud, rude, uh, cursing, uh, being, uh, being uh, not helpful to the person next to you. Also, this brings out your character. Now, what, what, what people fail to do is they base faith 
on the people that practice the faith. Now that's wrong, but it's true. People have their assumptions on a particular faith, whether it be Judaism or Christianity, uh, Islam. They're based off the judgments of the people that believe in them and walk in, their, walk in, that, in, that, in that path. And subhanAllah, Islam is not different. If you're a Muslim and you are introduced to a non-Muslim, they were going to judge Islam based off you, even though that is the wrong path. You should not judge perfect religion with an imperfect creation, which we are imperfect people, we make mistakes, and that's not how uh, faith should be judged. But it is. Most people that don't have knowledge of something, they will take it from what they see or what they experience. So you have to be amongst those uh, tough, tough, explicit, excellent form of character in order for you to be uh, a righteous Muslim. Now with the clothing, the Prophet Muhammad said it must cover the bosom, must cover the figure. The figure is a very important cover. I mean it's not just the headscarf. A lot of people think, oh if I cover my hair that's fine. Actually it's not. That's the least of your worries. Um, it's the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you dress that will cover and will promote Islam the way that you want to you want to perceive it. Um, most most uh, different opinions and scholars, but there's different uh, people that will say as long as the the shirt is long enough, the pants are wide enough, that's fine. Okay, and by the way, I'm already going to wide wide meaning it's a wide structure, the way that's constructed is wide pants, wide shirt, nothing is shown, not the waist, not the chest, not the butt, nothing. Same thing, so it's opposite if you wear tight-fitted shirt with tight-fitted pants, where you can see every curve of the body. That's not accepted. Also, there's some, some sometimes in different hadith that was saying, the sparkly, or the noisy, or the fancy, fancy jewelry, or the different, the bright, bright, bright colors that will attract attention, or the heels that make noise. These are also things that were said to stay, try to stay away from. Um, and then some have a different, uh, that, you're going to see two different things. And some will say, the Prophet Muhammad said, no matter what you wear, uh, whether it's pants, skirt, shirt, whatever, there should be one garment covering the outfit, meaning in what we what we wear today is called Daba or Jilbab. Okay? So there's different different beliefs, but the main thing is to not show the figure of the, the body. And then some will have another another effect, which is not an extreme effect, the Prophet's wives, peace be upon them, all wore it, which was the the complete veil, which covered which is what Muslims call niqab which you cover the face, you cover everything. But the Prophet Muhammad said, as long as there's a garment covering, covering the whole body, and the, the main part is the figure, but, and he pointed to the hands and to the, feet, uh, to, the, to the face. So you may show the face, and you may show the hands. But, so this is how you wear hijab, this is what you should stay away from. But like I said, the main important teaching of hijab is to be modest. Because if you were to choose one thing that discovered that reflects Islam, which obviously this is my opinion, it's modesty. It's modesty in your character, in your dress, 
in the, even in your spendings. The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu said there's extreme high, extreme low, and then there's a medium. Always go to the medium of things. Because two extremes doesn't necessarily make it right. I also want to say to to you that uh, it's most most Muslims or most uh, most people that follow Islam think it is a choice. I do want to correct that. Uh, correct that. It is not a choice. Once she becomes of the age of puberty, she should be practicing it. She should be considering it, and she should be trying to put it on. Um, yes, there's difficulties in wearing hijab. I'm gonna go right into that. Uh, it's not always can you go to the mall and Express and and J Crew or any of these stores that we shop at Hollister or whatever to find the most appropriate clothing. Um, sometimes it's it's they're they're fashioned and designed to make the the female body actually more attractive and to to give her fitting clothes and and the more you show the better I guess in some uh, in some uh, ideas but. It's very hard to find clothes, say for example, you have to search really long and hard. Um, if you find something, it's more on the expensive uh, side. Um, but this is your challenge as a Muslim girl, as a Muslim woman. This is the challenge of Muslim women in America is, is the struggle of hijab. To wear it right, to wear it uh, correctly, to wear it when you're supposed to wear it. Um, and I want to say that this challenge is taken and God will reward you for it. Um, it's something that you should promote and you should consider. And if, if you are taking it step by step, it's the best way to take step by step. Um, that's why it is encouraged to practice, then go on to the next step and go on to the next step. And I hope that uh, all of you guys will understand, um, have understood a little bit better what hijab is and the struggle of the, the Muslim a female and how she can wear it. Uh, Thank you, Lena. The second speaker I'd like to introduce um, holds a master's in social work, has her bachelor's in sociology, and has worked and spoken at many facilities, including um, public schools, churches, universities, and community centers. Please welcome Isra Abdelghani. Okay, for the Muslims in the audience who should answer my response. Assalamu alaikum. Okay, I just greeted you all with the Islamic greeting of all the prophets, which is peace be with you. Okay? Now, today's topic is hijab. Now, I'm going to ask the audience, okay, what comes to your mind when you hear the term hijab or a Muslim woman who covers? What is the first thing that comes to your mind? Modesty, uh huh? What else? Trust me, my feelings will not be hurt today if you say something that will offend or any of that. I will not run out of today, the library, with tears. I promise you that. Huh? Submissive. Very good. I love that. Someone else said something. Faith, religion. Faith, religion. Form and culture. Good. I like this. Come on. What else, guys? Courage. Huh? Courage. I heard courage. Courage. Courage, okay. And I heard humbleness. Uh-huh. What else? Huh? Purity, very nice. She agrees, the little kid, too. See? Okay. 
All right. So what I want to start off with is basically, I mean, Mashallah, the sister did a very good job explaining the points of hijab and so on. Now, I'm just going to touch on, I really hate the microphone. Do I have to use it? Okay. <laughs> There's no way out of it. Okay. Um, what I want to do is hit on a couple of other points. Now, first of all, the idea of a headscarf was not introduced by Islam. It was not something that the Muslims only introduced. It was actually something that you will see was introduced by all religions, so such as Judaism, okay, Christianity, and Islam. Talk about the head covering. So you'll see in 1 Corinthians, in the Bible, it says that a woman should cover her hair when she worships God. And the one who doesn't is considered unmodest. Okay? And you'll see today that there are still certain Christian groups that do this, such as um, the Amish, the Amish women cover their head, and Orthodox Jews, I'm sorry, Orthodox Christians in Russia, the women will cover their head before they go into church and pray. And usually in Russia, they'll keep this headscarf on and walk out in the streets with it. And what's interesting is, is that nuns cover their hair, right? And most people will look at a nun and not say, oh, that poor, oppressed woman. Well, they'll look at a Muslim woman and they're like, aha, she must have been forced to wear that today, huh? That woman must have been beaten to wear that. That's the image that mostly people get when they see a Muslim woman wearing hijab. They're limited, they're oppressed, they were forced to wear it, you know, their husbands beat them, or their, you know, their fathers forced them to put it on. But when you see a nun, those thoughts do not come to your mind. What usually comes to your mind is she's being modest, okay, or she's following the command of God. And once again, the image of so-called the Virgin Mary, okay, because we don't believe this is what she looked like. But the images that they have hanging up is what, with her in a veil. And no one questions that. No one has any question towards that. And please, if I'm saying anything that anyone wants to challenge, feel free to put up your hand and I would be more than willing to hear you. Okay? I want this more of a discussion than me up here and preaching because I can get pretty boring. I'll tell you this right now. I bore myself to death half the time. Okay? So, what happens though is in Islam, okay, it shows actually that Muslim women are stronger than Muslim men. All right, now, the brothers are probably going to want to jump me after this, but it's okay. I'm willing to take it. Why do I say this? Okay? Because well, as I walked into this room, I was capable of telling who was Muslim and who wasn't on the women's side. On the men's side, I'm guessing half of the time. Yeah, maybe this brother has a beard. Maybe he doesn't. You know, anyone can grow a beard, and I say even a goat can grow a beard. That's the truth. Okay? While a woman, the way she dresses, she is the walking billboard of Islam. She is the walking billboard of Islam. When you see a Muslim woman dressed like this, right away you know I'm different, correct? You can tell I'm different. You don't think I'm, you know, I might be a nun, I might be, who knows, but I'm different. And what happens is, is people will approach you, and they'll say, I have a question. Are you bald? You know, uh, do, do you shower with this thing on? Do you sleep with this thing on? You know, you'll get the funny questions, but also you'll get the interesting questions. Why do you wear this? You know, I find this interesting. I've had people approach me and say, Oh, sister, what church do you go to? You know, and that's a perfect opportunity for dawah. Dawah is basically teaching others about Islam. Okay? So this is why I say that basically a Muslim woman is the walking billboard of Islam because the way you dress, you're presenting Islam. You're saying, Hello, I'm a Muslim. If you've got questions, come ask me. Okay, so it builds your personality, and it also at the same time you have to be educated about Islam. You don't just put this on and be like, oh, I'm a Muslim, yay. No, you've got to have knowledge. So when people approach you, you're capable of answering them. All right? 
as the sister said, it's not just a headscarf. Okay, A, you're a walking billboard of Islam. B, you've got different types of hijab today. All right, and I actually looked up the names so I can quote them for you. Okay, you have the bang hijab. What's the bang hijab? It's basically where sisters will wear a head cover down here and your bangs are all done accidentally, you know? So that's the bang hijab, which is not acceptable, okay? Then you have the skin tight hijab. What is the skin tight hijab? The skin tight hijab is when a woman is covered and she's got tight, tight clothes on. Because you've got to fit in no matter what, right? It's just, I got the hijab on everyone, let go of the tight clothes. That still does not work, okay? Then you have the Mickey Mouse hijab. What's the Mickey Mouse hijab? Okay? Mickey Mouse hijab is when you got the headscarf on and your ears are sticking out and you got all your earrings on. Every single one that you could find in the closet, you got them all on. You know, and you accidentally forgot to cover your ears. That's not acceptable. All this has got to be covered, okay? And then you have the hollow hijab. What's the hollow hijab? It's a hijab, but it's accidentally see-through, right? That does not work because it's see-through. There's no reason for you to put it on, in other words. And then, finally, you have the convertible hijab. What's the convertible hijab? That's when your hijab is down on your shoulders, you hear some Quran, you pop it up, okay? And then once the Quran is done, you pop it back down, okay? That doesn't work. Because a lot of Muslims feel that, okay, the only time I've got to cover my hair is when I hear the recitation of the Quran because God can see me during this time. No. Basically, God can see you at all times. Why do Muslim women cover? A, it's because it's a command from God. This is why. No one forces you to cover. It is a command of God. We have to cover. It is a protection for us. If I asked any of you or gave any of you a diamond, a very expensive diamond, like a nice, big, juicy diamond, Okay? And I told you to take care of this diamond. I am sure none of you are going to bring it to this school. I'm sure you guys are not going to walk with it uncovered and showing it to every single soul. What you're going to do is you're going to make sure it's protected, it's covered, it's clean and shining and so on. And this is how we are in the sight of Islam as women. We are something so important and clean and pure that we should be what? Covered and protected. Okay? It's not for everyone to see. This is not something that I'm going to parade around and say, okay, can everyone see how good I look? Most people think that this is oppression. Actually, oppression is when you have to wear something that reveals your body to society. We don't, I mean, if I walked into the school, I was shocked. I was like, whoa, where am I, you know? It was like the ghetto, you know? Don't, don't take it in any bad way. But even the men, the way they're dressed, this is not your character. This is not your character. What do I mean by that? If a woman dresses in a certain way, you're calling for certain attention. Certain attention. And women mostly wear what fashion tells you to wear. And who designs these things? Who are the designers mostly? Women? Who? Men. Men. They put you in what they want to see you in, guys. Not what you're comfortable in. So you have people wearing tight, tight pants, and you're wondering, how did you put those on this morning? You know, they're not comfortable. They're really not comfortable, but they're putting stuff on that basically calls for attention. And the other thing is, is why do women cover? Why do they have to cover their hair? Why not men? Because men even today will testify and say, yes, women's hair are, is very attractive. It is very attractive. You go to high school. I was born and raised here. Went to public school, just like the sister. Okay. You go into the bathrooms in high school. They are not going to the bathroom. They're doing their hair. Every single girl runs in there to make sure she's got not a single bump in her hair. She'll stand there and she'll be like, oh no, I got a bump, I got to undo it and do it again. While the guys can come to school, their hair is all messed up, standing here and there, and I'm like, yo, what's up? And everybody will talk to them. But if a girl came to school dressed that way, nobody would address them. They'll be like, oh, she's so dirty, don't talk to her. 
Well, in Islam it says, don't worry about that. Do not worry about that. When you approach me, you're not going to be standing there checking the person out. Oh, pretty good. No, There's nothing to check out. What you're going to have to do is listen to what's coming out of my mouth. That's the truth of the matter. Okay? And that's the beauty of it. In Islam we say, well, stop. Do not judge me for my looks, but judge me for my intellect. Because this is what's going to last. Marilyn Monroe is in the grave right now, and I know she don't look pretty. Okay? Any of these people who looked beautiful back then, when they age, the beauty doesn't always last. And this is what Islam is all about. It's basically, it judges the woman for her intellect and not her looks. And this is why we dress this way. And inshallah, I'm going to end right now so the brother can have a chance. And if I made any mistakes, it's from my own ignorance and anything right I said is by the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's from God Almighty. And Jazakumullah khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Thank you, Isra. Our third and final speaker is an individual that has been tutored by scholars his entire life, um, tutored the Arabic language extensively, and is currently studying Islamic Sharia. Please welcome Malik Shah. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon all of you. Okay, uh, I'll be speaking about the reason for hijab and the purposes it intends to reach. Uh, first of all, the revelation for hijab. See, at a time when Islam came out, not all the women were covered yet. Allah, uh, God was sending down verses at Quran time at a time. So one time, a friend of the Prophet, وسلم, the Prophet Muhammad, his name was Umar ibn al-Khattab, he said, O Messenger of Allah, a lot of people approach your wives, and not all of them are good, so I wish you would tell them to cover up. So then God sends down the verses saying, and tell your wives to cover up as his sister was reciting just now. And notice the wisdom of his words when he said, bad people also visit your wives. Many men, they might become suspicious when they find that their wife might be alone with some guy, or who's that guy, or they don't know him. And so they'd be, questions will arise, and excessively displaying her beauty to a strange man, it just, you just automatically get a little bit jealous. So accusations may take place. So we understand from this that the hijab is to hide the woman's beauty from those who shouldn't be seeing it in the first place. And important and valuable. What's, what's valuable to you guys? Money? Bank account information? What if I asked anybody for their account number? Would they give it to me? No. All this stuff, it's, it's attractive to people. Owning them is desirable. And it's beautiful in our eyes. In the same sense, God creates the woman's body naturally beautiful and it's pleasing to the eye. So all these things, they have the right in, to be valued and protected and you don't show them like open for anybody to see. It's the same thing with the woman's body. It has more right to be covered, it has more right to be valued. And I'm sure women do value it because they get so angry when they're labeled as sexual objects in the media. And a lot of women... They become mad or uncomfortable when being stared at. And that's another beauty of the wearing the hijab. A woman can go, come and go with a lot more decency and dignity. She doesn't have to worry about being stared at by men. Uh, I hear some girls speaking like they criticize the other way girls dress like her clothes are too tight. Like that's wrong. For other girls, they might wear tight clothes and be like, no, no, she's wearing, she's showing too much thigh. That's inappropriate. And other girls who show too much thigh, they'll be like, no, 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 she's showing too much cleavage. So everybody has different standards. And who's setting the standards for what is and what isn't appropriate in the first place? And who's to say a certain amount of covering is enough? It's all perception. Now, some girls cover the bare minimum. Some girls are careful about covering all their arms and legs. And it's all the own standard. It's all the state of the heart in the society around us. 
I mean, we're taught to respect the law of the land, right? We have to cover a certain amount. Now, what the Muslim is saying, the, the minimum amount you should cover is higher in the sight of God. And the person has to ask himself, who has more right to be respected? The law of the land or the law of the Creator, the one who created you? Uh, in other countries, the issue of looking so beautiful, it's not as blown up as it is in America. Between movies, TV, uh, TV, the media, women are brought up with these high standards they have to reach. Who's more attractive? Who's this? And then they go do some very idiotic things with their bodies just to achieve this. Some women feel the need to change with some some of their body parts with surgery. My mom, she was watching uh, this program on TV the other day. It was called uh, The Top Ten Worst Plastic Surgeries. And they were showing just like these women, you know, famous women like Priscilla Presley. They were showing she was so beautiful like before and then she got all these plastic surgery on her face and then everything was like a balloon. It just inflated. And and then some women, they they feel the need to tan so much and change the tone of their skin. Some women go on the craziest diets and they don't even know what it is. They just jump right into it. I was in the supermarket. I was in line. And there's this one magazine. It was just like chocolate cake on the cover. Chocolate chocolate. Eat all the chocolate you want and lose weight. And I'm just like, who would go for this? Or drink juice for 72 hours and lose this many pounds. And it, it is a disease because look at what you're doing. You're depriving the body of the nutrients it needs. I knew this one girl in uh, Jordan. She was like um, 12 or 13. And she was anorexic. And, of course, she ate very little. She would always come home. She was, like, determined to do her homework. It took her, like, six, seven hours just to finish her homework. And it was elementary. It was easy homework. But that's a consequence. It's a consequence of depriving the body of its nutrients. You, can't, you won't be able to concentrate as well. And she was so irritable from not eating. And just look at all these unnatural acts, all the consequences. Just because women are in this high competition, they're all racing just who's more beautiful. Look at what it does to them. And that's another benefit of hijab. It conquers that feeling of self-consciousness about their bodies. It becomes a natural mentality to people, especially in America, to look attractive in front of others. And it's funny, like too many times you see girls, like their skirt is too low cut, so they rearrange it, they don't want to show that much. Or they're showing too much, they rearrange They keep rearranging their shirts like they don't want to show anything. Why would you buy those clothes in the first place then? Why wouldn't you dress more modest? Uh... As Muslims and non-Muslims, any God-believing person has the sense to realize that whatever God creates in its natural form shouldn't be changed. So women shouldn't go through all this just to change their bodies. Some people think, like the sister was saying earlier about hair, like as long as they dress modest is fine, hair is not something sexual. No, it's very sexual. I mean, look how many women spend like hundreds of dollars and hours of their time in the salon just to make it pretty. So it's very attractive and... The hijab is actually, it's a form of protectiveness to, let's take the example of two identical twin sisters. Let's say they're both equally beautiful. And one is walking in shorts, low-cut shirt, a lot of her skin is displayed. The other one is walking in hijab and jilbab, the dress that covers all her curves. And which one is more likely to attract attention? It's obvious which one. The one who's wearing the low-cut, displaying her skin. And which one is more likely to be physically abused or assaulted? And I remember in high school, this one girl, she would like complain, like, oh, that jerk, he was yelling at me because my skirt was way too shorter. And then, why would you wear something that short anyway? Aren't you making an invitation for all this abuse? And these girls that are going to parties, we hear a lot of the times that the result, they are physically abused or raped, to God forbid, and you have to think, aren't these girls making an invitation to that when they show that much beauty? 
I'm not saying it's their fault that they've been abused that way, but nobody can be held responsible except for the criminal. But like I said earlier, when it's valuable, when you're displaying it in front of people, no doubt there's some people out there who just want immediate gratification and they're just going to seize whatever they see. So you have to be careful about what you protect. Uh, those are some worldly benefits, hijab. I just want to talk about some spiritual benefits now. And the first one is obedience. When a girl puts on her hijab, she's fulfilling an order of Allah. She's trying to get closer to her God, develop more love for Him. So the hijab, just as every other good action, should be done for the sake of Allah. And I hope Allah rewards all those sisters who wear the hijab with the right intention. Um, another quality is shyness. Shyness is a quality that walks hand in hand with righteousness. It's in the Arabi, it's called haya, but haya has a wide definition of meaning. It could be respect, self-respect, bashfulness, shame, honor, humility. And in Islam, haya pushes the believer to avoid anything distasteful or anything dislike to Allah. So the hijab here for the woman is a huge step in the many steps to developing your faith. Shyness, like the sister was saying, the woman with hijab is like a walking billboard. It is, it's a symbol. The hijab is a symbol of shyness. And it's not for a person to carry like such decency and good morals and at the same time hang on to their bad habits. I remember there was a time when I would, uh, like if I would, a swear word would slip out of my mouth. The person would scold me, be like, Malik, don't you pray? You're a guy who prays, you shouldn't be swearing. And then I'm like, what does that mean? Since you don't pray, it's okay for you to swear? But his mentality was wrong, but he was right in the sense that prayer is supposed to prevent me from everything else that's bad. Just like the hijab is supposed to prevent her from anything else that's bad. Uh, still keeping in mind of the topic of hijab, I just want to know now, you're going to think I'm getting off topic, but no, i got to point to all this. I know people, like, they sit back and they imagine sometimes what's their life going to be like in this many years, and a lot of the times they imagine what's their spouse going to be like. So I want to know from the sisters, what kind of husband do you want? What are some of his qualities and actions? Nobody? Honesty. Honesty, good dean, good religion. He's afraid of God. One of the many things that stick out to me is like appreciation because I see a lot of husbands, they don't appreciate their wives like down the years. It's only natural. The longer two people know each other, the more time they spend with each other, the less tolerant, the less appreciative they get of each other. And I remember I was with a cousin of mine and he was sitting, me and him were sitting down while well, in the living room. And then his wife was sitting there too and they have a three-year-old daughter together. And they both work. So the time they get to spend with each other, it's very limited. So she looks at him, she's like, your mom's going to watch our daughter tonight, do you want to go out and do something? I felt so bad, like she was saying it in like a plea, like an eager, like, I want to go out. And he just sat there and he was silent and he looked irritated. And I felt so bad for her. And then I just thought like, man, if he just got up and said, yeah, anywhere you want to go, let's go, she would have loved and appreciated him so more because he appreciated her. Another quality that I imagine a woman wants in her husband is a feeling of protection. Everybody wants to be cared about. Just like a mother has for a child. Now, one time I was moving these uh, steel dividers and I got into this accident where one of them came into collision with my eye. So the blood started like gush gushing a lot. So I bandaged it up and I went to a lesson to, with a teacher of mine. 
and this teacher of mine, I call him like a stud in Arabic, like my personal professor, and uh, he's more than a teacher, he's my friend, I love this guy more than most of my family members, and he looked at my eye, and then he's like, oh, like it was actually his own kid's eye that was, it like hurt him to see that. And then I felt bad, because at the time he was my boss, so I thought we were getting on each other's nerves, but I'm like, oh my god, this guy really cares for me. So it's a beautiful feeling when you have a person who, they always constantly care for you. And I know a lot of people, they just, that wears away and in a relationship and a husband and wife, and they just, they actually cause harm to each other. Uh, and the last one, kindness. And I know it's general, but what I mean deeply, there was this one woman at a picnic one time with her husband, and they also had a, a little son, like two, three years old. So she got occupied for like two or three minutes, and then something happened to the son. He was fine. I don't know if he fell or... So then her husband came, and he scolded her in front of all her friends, all her family, like, what's wrong with you? You're so stupid. Why didn't you this, this, this? He does it in front of everybody. And then she just, she's silent, and she keeps her head down. And she was so embarrassed. And then she says, like, till this day I remember, this is like years ago, more than ten years ago, she's like, till this day I remember that he did that. He made, he made me look so stupid in front of my friends. And then I was thinking, it was so easy for the guy to just come up and say, no, it's fine, I understand that you can't watch him 24-7, It's don't worry about it. Like, go with forgiveness to her instead of holding a grudge. My point, describing the husband that woman want, the Prophet ﷺ, Muhammad said, whoever believes in God, Allah, in the last day, let him be good to woman. I order you to be good to woman. And it's general that women are softer than men, they're more emotional, they have to be dealt with more delicately. And he also said, the Prophet ﷺ, the best of you are the one who is best to his woman, his wife, his sisters, his mothers, he treats his woman the best. And I am the best of you. So we see here, he's a role model for us. So now I want to ask the sisters, we see here choosing a spouse, it should go for the guy with strong deen, manners, he tries to be like the Prophet ﷺ. And for sure, what kind of girl do you think he'll be looking for? He'll be looking for the girl with hijab, because hijab is a strong pillar of faith for the woman. If he doesn't see hijab, he might have an open mind and be like, well, she could still be a good girl, she could still be pure. But what are the chances? I mean, she didn't even want to fulfill an act of Allah, one of the first orders. So, And uh, regardless for the Muslim woman, this is one of the pillars that keeps her faith strong. And thank you for your time. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon all of you. Thank you, Madik. On the last 10 minutes of discussion, we will open to any questions or concerns you guys have. Does anybody have any questions? You said that hijab is not a choice, but yeah, you said your uh, sisters don't wear it. I mean, they had a choice there. I mean, they chose not to. Well, I think nothing is on you, but um, did everybody hear the question? Okay. Um, as my sisters don't wear, it's just because of lack of faith. Um, if you know something in faith and you choose not to do it, then you're 
not listening to the commandments of God. So we can be born in a Muslim family. We can be born as Muslims, but not necessarily practice it 100%, which is similar to any other faith. I mean, there's certain things, uh, like say for example, in Islam, you cannot have premarital sex. But, and that's also in Christianity and all books of faith. But yet we see it all the time. So they're choosing not to do it. But that's the difference between us humans and, say, for example, animals or angels. Um, We were given, we were created on this earth with the choice of, with the freedom of choice. So we can choose the correct way or we can choose the wrong way. And sometimes, because we are imperfect people, we do choose the wrong way and we do choose the right way. But that's, that's part of the struggle as well. So just because you are born in Islam, and you must do certain things like praying. Not all Muslims pray, even though that is one of the first, this is the first thing you should be held accountable for. So this is based on your choice, what you want to follow, what you don't want to follow. But in order to be following Islam perfectly, uh, you should be listening to the commandments of God, and not just one, most, all of them. So there's people that don't have it on that are Muslim. I hope I answered your question. Do you want to answer? Um, to be honest with you, there's no uh, technical thing. I just came and sat here. So. Okay, just talking about that, maybe the organizers of MSA, normally when we do have uh, programs, uh, like even if you go to a mosque or if you go to any organization, uh, most, of them inter- uh, most of them separate the male and the female. Um, meaning, uh, like say for, for example, uh, the seating-wise, uh, same way with anything, maybe they can touch on it better, but they try to split the, the genders. Uh, one to eliminate anything that shouldn't happen uh, but like say for example if you were to go sit there I don't see any techna uh, like I don't me personally I don't see anything wrong with you sitting there uh, but if they're Muslims already they probably know that they're more comfortable uh, sitting with with females and males are usually more comfortable sitting with with males but that's also from culture and religion supposed to divide Um, but like say for example a non-muslim came and sat I don't see the problem with that but maybe they can elaborate better yeah and I also want to touch upon your point too that why we separated the reason we separated because we don't want any distraction between the women and the men I mean if a man let's say a very beautiful young lady came and sat next to a Guy, and then there goes the whole speech right there. They're going to be too busy trying to uh, talk to try to. I mean, it, it's it's no doubt that there is a very strong distraction there. That's that's. I mean, it's just a fact. I mean, guys, if I mean, if a very beautiful girl came and sat next to you guys, do you guys really care what I'm talking about? I could be talking about that the world's going to get destroyed in another day or so, and you're just like, man. So, so that's that's the main reason why it's separate. It's not there's no it's not that you know women are you know they got you know cooties or anything like that. It's just because you know it's it's to keep people focused on what's supposed to you know the priorities. I I just want to add something to that. It doesn't matter if she's pretty or not. Okay, 
first eight, it is a command from God that there is separation between women and men. Okay. Um, and second, it is more comfortable for a woman to be sitting w- amongst other women. I think you're the young lady. Okay, that's fine. That's a personal choice. Now, what we're doing is, A, this is a Muslim, you know, event, okay? Um, out of respect for Islam, you know, uh, this is why. But it doesn't make you less of a person if you're sitting amongst women. I mean, if I'm sitting down, okay, I have him next to me, I'm not going to be like, yeah, what's up? You know, no. I mean, I might be more comfortable next to her and I can stretch out more. But because it is a male sitting next to me, I am going to be more reserved and hold, holding myself back and how comfortable I am sitting. But A, it is a command of God that there is separation. And B, I mean, the, the setting is equal. I mean, the, all the women have the same exact arrangements as the men. So that's all. But Islamically wise, in the masjid, even in the prayer, you'll see that the men separ- uh, are separate than the women. But it's not, it has nothing to do with equality at that point. Um, just to mention one more thing, um, it is just for comfort, um, but like say for example, no one should be moved from anywhere. Uh, I do want to say, I know how Brother Muhammad said and the sister also said to separate, but at the same time, I don't want you guys to think that, uh, this is how the Prophet Muhammad said, amongst every male and female, whether they be alone in public, there's the third party is the shaitan which is Satan and there's things that play in your mind uh, as you do that None, that's not for everybody um, some people are more stronger like I could tell you me personally uh, amongst just personally me and my sister say for example she her, her mentality is more about you know how to attract the opposite sex how to do this than the other thing even if it's like a certain comment a certain way of sitting whatever the case may be but you can put me with a meeting filled with men and they wouldn't bother me like I agree with you but at the same time we're not all animals hopefully and that's all we think about but yet there's statistics that say uh, certain things that's, that's how many that's how often males think about sex or how many seconds uh, this is just to simply move you away from the temptation. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said, it's not necessarily the action that is wrong, but it's, it's the, the stepping actions that take you to something that is wrong, that we should stay away from. So there's a white category where we know these things are allowed and permitted and everything. There's the black category where we know everything is wrong. And then he said that majority of things are in the gray section. You don't know if it's right or wrong. But he advised us to stay away from the gray and the black. Meaning, don't take yourself anywhere that will lead you, maybe, possibly, to doing something wrong. Um, And culture-wise, like say for example, the Muslim or Arab or whoever, culture-wise, they're not usually comfortable sitting near the the opposite gender. Because that's how we grow up. I mean, it's always separated. Um, But if you talk to anybody that was born in mainstream America and, and works in the corporate world and goes to school and everything, I mean, it's normal. Um, but it's just to eliminate anything possible. I hope I answered your question. No, I didn't. No, I didn't say any. I said the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu It's acceptable for a woman to wear uh, loosely fitted clothing. 
it, but it was mentioned by the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu that he sh- you should wear one garment over your clothing. So I didn't mention anything else about. I said there's different beliefs of what is acceptable in the hijab, but I didn't say there's a scholar that said you can go without without jilbab. But jilbab is different. Also, you can say uh, a long fitted coat, a long fitted abah. It's not necessarily jilbab. You have to be able to learn to translate. What what it was said even in past times to the today's times. So that's what I meant. Yes. To be honest with you. Um, let me be very blunt with you. Actually, parents, you know, like any 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 type of household, it is up to the parent uh, to teach that that characteristic to the child. And what we failed to do, to be honest with you, is we've structured more on the female than on the male. So that's why you see some males think. Uh, they don't have the right, they don't, they don't have to be modest, they don't have to be modest in their, their vocabulary, they don't have to be modest in their actions, they don't have to be modest in their clothing. But the truth of the matter is they do. Um, th- this is something that if you, if you were to talk to any, any person of faith, they will tell you that even their clothing has to be a form of modesty. Uh, the way they speak, no vulgar language, no loud yelling, and t- you know, all the, whatever is, uh, is permitted or, or ordained to the female, it is ordained for the male. Um, but that's when culture and and misconceptions and things come in and wrong teachings. Uh, but in reality, everything that goes for the male goes for the female, and everything goes for the female goes for the male. Uh, there's certain obligations that the male has to do, certain obligations the female has to do, like the hijab, she has to wear the covering. Males don't have to cover their, their hair. But they still have a, a dress code too that they have to follow. Maybe the brother can touch based on that. Um, shyness is both for men and women. She's right on that. And the Prophet ﷺ said in one hadith and a saying of his, he said, "Haya is religion," and it's understood in the sense that haya is part of religion. Haya, like I said in the speech, covers women I mean, like self-respect, shame, humility, shyness. So it is a big deal for a man also, and it brings him closer to righteousness. It brings him closer to God when he acts upon it. So nobody ever said that it's not a response. It's not an obligation for men as much. For no, it is for both. And men have to cover from the navel down. That's their dress from navel down to their knees. So they also have a dress code. We were, I'm going to tell you the truth. We were dictated, on, dictated to what to say here. We were told to concentrate on women. <laughs> so this is, I think, why. But men also have the same. They have a hijab. They have to cover. And even their clothing can't be tight. I mean, a man can't go with a tight skin shirt on, tight jeans, or, you know, the pants under, the behind, and all that stuff that you see today. I mean, also the man has a certain dress code that they have to follow. But like I mentioned before, hijab is not just from the clothing. It's it's the way he acts too. Uh, it has to be modest, and they cannot be rude or or aggressive. Uh, all this has it's under the umbrella of modesty. Yes. Um, 
Okay. All right. Uh, so I was listening to this, um, you know, speeches and uh, a couple uh, questions for you. Uh, but first of all, let me say something from my point of view, because I feel kind of offended here. What I mean is, like, you guys uh, stress, like, uh, well, what you're going to do with the beautiful woman going uh, to sit next to you? I would like to say that, you know, I'm not that kind of person who, you know, going to sit next to, you know, who when sits next to very beautiful one gets crazy, you know? So, uh, that's the first thing. And now I question uh, my question. Because uh, there are like different kinds of hijabs, so even for Muslims itself, uh, isn't very convincing to wear this hijab. So, is, isn't that kind of kind of culture uh, factor that they wear it? or more that really religion. Okay, so let me get this straight about your question. Is you're asking whether... Um, so you want to know as to whether it's a cultural thing as to why we wear the hijab or whether it's more of a religion thing? That's your question. Okay. It's definitely a religious thing. There's absolutely no cultural culture behind it. Okay? Some things of culture are based from religious teachings, but for the most part, everything uh, the girls they wear the hijab because it's religion and it's only religion. There's no ifs or buts about it. And um, you said about sitting next to a girl, you might not be attracted or um, correct. Now. Religion is not for certain individuals, it's for the society as a whole. You may be able to control yourself, but how do I know that majority of the guys here could control it? I mean, it's not, I mean, the religion did not come down just for the poor, or just for the rich, or just for the wealthy, or whatever the case may be. It's for the society as a whole. I mean, yes, God knows, some people, I could sit next to a thousand girls, and I'm... I'll just sit down, I'm minding my business. But there's another guy who, he'll just look at a girl, and he, I mean, right now we know that in America, every five minutes there's a rape. Okay? So what do we tell, I mean, God knows how many women get raped a day. You know what I mean? I mean, if you were to say that, you know, you know, you don't get, you know, attracted to sit next to a girl, it said that, I mean, majority of other people, they, they don't have that same... I mean, that's good for you. You, don't, you have that discipline in yourself. That's very good for you. But majority of people, they don't have that in them. That's why this is the, this is the commandments of God. And us, we're the creation. He says, and we do. Okay, no, I mean, none of us here has created a universe to argue, I mean, so perfectly or created our human selves or anything so perfectly. So who, what gives us the authority to argue with the God's commandments? So that's basically touching up on your point. I hope can I, can I mention something too? Um, I, would, I would actually get offended too if I were you. <laughs> uh, just because I know if I'm not that type of person, and let me just correct you, not majority of people are like that. Um, it's a very, it's a rarity actually. But we talk about, I think we've all made the mistake of categorizing majority of people into the minority of people. So can we say all people are, are, are murderers? Can we say all people are stealers? No, we can't. Majority of them are not. But we get these accusations off of a small percentage that do them. If you look at the percentage of people in the world and how many that do that, it's very different. But 
it's just like I said again, the chances of being, but to be honest with you, there's different personalities, different things, and like I said, like majority of, majority of people will not just spark and flame and just go crazy just because the opposite sex is sitting next to them. Um, that comes from maturity and knowledge, and those who react, react different than that don't obviously have it, but I'm just, we should change wording and not majority of people that have it minority but we just try and save ourselves from any any incidents that happen uh, another thing that you said uh, about the hijab if it's more cultural and it's embraced uh, more culturally versus Islamically to be honest with you I'm not sure but it is a commandment by God and like myself as an example I learned about it the wrong way uh, so if, if it's not taught the right way or implemented the right way in the household, most likely it's going to have misconceptions. So if it's dealt with culturally or religiously, it is a part of Islam and they have to do it. But if it's done, pushed on culturally, yes, there's a mistake being made there. But at the same time, we can't control anyone but our own actions. Just, uh, just real quick, when I was talking about the majority, I'm saying that majority of men, they get some kind of spark out of a girl. That's what I was basically trying to get. I'm not, by no means was I called, majority of people were bad and all that. That's what I meant by saying that. So, with this, I'm going to wrap up and I, I want to thank you. Something. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm not going to talk about any spark at this point, <laughs> but about the cultural thing, um, you'll see that even within the West, okay, like she was born and raised in the West, I was born and raised in the West, and let's forget like Arabs or Pakistanis or any of this, let's look at American reverts to Islam, female American reverts, they put on the hijab and that has nothing to do with culture, so at that point they put it on because they know this is what the religion itself says, and actually the sad thing is, is you've got American revert women who wear the covering better than born Muslims today. So it has nothing to do with culture. I know you had a question, and we'll conclude with this. If it's under the knee, it is uh, acceptable. It has to be under the knee. So from navel under the knee. So none of those short shorts were met. <laughs> Thank you all for coming, and uh, have a nice day. Thanks for listening to this Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu library.